Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a global original podcast. Welcome to this week's Don't Tell Your Mum podcast. I'm JK, that's my mate Al. You can't say that. I listened to a lot. I listened to episode one the yeah. other day. I don't know why I did that, but I did. And that's what that's what you said. Did I? Yeah, exactly, oh, I'm just, exactly word for word. You see, my, my, ra- my radio skills and broadcasting skills are coming back. I'm resetting. Once it's in your head. I'm resetting like four it. years later. It probably should be every yeah. episode. But hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it didn't last long. Um, I am so excited about today. I'll be honest. I don't, re- I don't usually get excited about celebrities. And I know that sounds really bad, but I think after being in this profession for 27 years... After meeting so many celebrities. After... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and you get the good ones, you get the bad ones. And But on the way in today, I was genuinely excited about the thought of our guest today. I know. I, I've never met him before. This is the first time I'm going to meet him. And I love his work. I love his TV work. I love his stand-up comedy. I love his whole stance on life. Yeah. And when you, when you know the backstory about him, I think he's even more like we are. Yeah. You know, because... He admits openly that he's not very good with women. <laughs> he admits that he's not bothered about anniversaries and stuff like that. Yeah. I imagine he gets quite a bit of feedback at home about it as well. It's just sounding all familiar, at least for me. Absolutely. Anyway. <laughs> I have met him before, actually. Because, have you? Yeah, because he uh, hijacked an interview that I had. No. Completely took over. What? <laughs> it, it was fine. It all worked out well in the end. So where was this? What was this? When? I got invited into, can I say BBC Radio? Yes, you can. BBC Radio 5 Live to do a feature on baby change facilities in men's toilets. Yeah. And how there aren't any or weren't any, although there is now a lot more. Anyway, and um, so I was invited in to do this feature, 10 minutes. And they said, I'll oh, just go and wait in the studio and you'll be on after the interview before you. And I went into the studio and it was Ron Romesh was... Oh. <laughs> There's the tease. Because <laughs> we know lots of Romeshes. <laughs> I definitely didn't mean to do this. Should we cut it out? Should I do it? No, 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 no. It's fine. No, no, it's all right. We were going to have to say it at some point. Oh, yeah. I was waiting to see how long it would take for you to say it. <laughs> it's like a little game I was playing obviously, in the head. Obviously not very long. You'd be no good on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> tease them over the ad break. Tease them over the ad break. And um, anyway, he was in there and he basically, the, the, the presenter just said, oh, Romesh, do you want to hang around for the next interview? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> whatever um, in his in his lovely way yeah, uh, um, and so he did and, but to be honest I was just in hysterics he's so funny yeah. um, so yes on the show today on this week's podcast we are going to introduce to you the very very talented and very very funny Ramesh Ramesh Ranganathan 
we are going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about how he had to spend pretty much around about 200 quid because of one of his screw-ups, which is brilliant. <laughs> We're going to talk about how his life was affected when he lost his father. Yep, his relationship with his dad um, and, you two, and a bit about his upbringing. You two are going to talk about teaching and what your thoughts are on yep. teaching our, our lovely future, our kids right now. It's a really, really nice piece. It's very chilled out. It's very us and we think you are going to love it. Ramesh Ranganathan. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, all right, all right. Good. Last time we met, we were in um, a other another radio studio. Yeah, I felt a bit bad for you, actually. I've got to be honest with you. What was that? Well, because <laughs> you had been brought in or asked to come in to talk about... What was... I can't even remember. Ba- baby changing facilities right. in baby, the men's toilets. Baby changing facilities, <laughs> right, yeah. I'm sorry I didn't remember. But um, And basically, the previous item just overran... And so, like, they they managed to squeeze... Like, it was just... I felt like what you were saying was really interesting, but it, you just had to condense it into this really yeah. short space of time, didn't you? Well, I look back very fondly at the whole thing because I had a great time <laughs> <laughs> just watching... I can't remember the presenter's name. Michal, now, yeah. But um, watching you guys just... Um, well, I felt like it was my own personal comedy show. Right, yeah. So I look back very fondly. So okay, good, it. I'm glad. Because I did sort of feel... I just sort of thought... I feel I not felt sorry. That's just a pity. I didn't feel pity for you. Oh. I just thought it's a bit of a ball ache to come in and then like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then not have not say what I'd planned. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for joining us. No worries. Um, it's but you're you're a busy man at the moment. Yeah, uh, doing a lot of stuff, right? On tour. Yes, I'm on tour. I mean, I sort of come out of that kind of busy period now because I'm sort of doing a load of things, and now it's just pretty much being on the road. Yeah. I mean? So uh, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it at the moment. I mean, I'm only a week in. Okay. Currently, so uh, how, how many weeks is it? It goes right through to April, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So if you so, were speaking to me in April, <laughs> it might be different. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. And um, and the TV show's second series is Reluctant running. Landlord, yes. At the, uh, running at the moment, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. It's just sort of this second series, this sitcom about me running a pub, basically. Yeah. It's kind of based on my real life. My dad used to run a pub, and then he sort of died suddenly. And uh, and we had to take it over. Yeah. So this, the sitcom is as if this guy had continued running it for years, but in reality, we abandoned it after a few months because it was just too much of a pain yeah. in the ass. How much of the show is or is based on real? Uh, and how much is sort of more? Most of it, most if not all of it, is based in reality. Yeah. Like not not like the storylines happened, but in terms of like my dad ran a pub for. 10, 15 years yeah. and so we had loads of stories about you know there's loads of stuff that happened when he was running the pub so a lot of the, the pub storylines are pulled from are that all true yeah, yeah yeah but um except for there's one where we get doggers in the car park and they say come that never happened <laughs> uh, but um and then the other and the other stuff is like all of the stuff that happens with me and um my wife in the show is based on stuff that's happened in my relationship for real you okay. know so yeah, so it's all pretty much based in reality. Yeah. yeah, just picking up on that, I love. I read some of your bio. Yeah, and in it, you talk about how you are unintentionally inconsiderate. Yes. <laughs> Tell me well, about that. It's just I sort of have very um, low expectations of like people getting in touch and people remembering birthdays or you know going arranging to meet meet up and stuff. I just sort of don't really care. Not don't care, but I just sort of very yeah. low. 
I just have very low maintenance in that regard, which is fine, except for I have to remember that not everybody's like that. And Including so, your wife. Yes, so <laughs> I sort of expect very little, but deliver very little as well. Yeah. And that is a problem because not everybody else is expecting very little. Yeah. So I do sort of, I do get myself into trouble uh, in terms of not doing stuff. And actually, you know, I say unintentionally, if you do, if you continue making the same mistakes without changing... I think you can't. I don't think you can continue to say it's unintentional. I think yeah. probably now I'm. I'm very aware of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm consciously making a decision to not change, which yeah. is bad. <laughs> I do. I can empathise. I because I, I'm of a similar vein. Like we don't celebrate. Growing up, we didn't really celebrate birthdays. Like yeah. we did have like parties with like when we were kids and stuff. But as soon as we hit thirteen, it was like a sleepover with my mate, and we just rent something from Blockbuster. Sure, that was it. And then when my mum turned, there was a, there was this occasion. She, I said, can you babysit? She was like, yeah, it's fine. I said, do you want us to leave some dinner? She's like, no, no, I'll just bring a sandwich around. She babysat. Me and my wife went out, had a really nice date night, came back and I dropped my mum back home. And she said, do you know what today is? And I was like, no. She goes, it's my 60th birthday. <laughs> oh my <laughs> so, God. Oh so, but we just, we just didn't, it's just not something that we yeah. do. But I think on, on the 60th, my mum was a bit hurt by that. Yeah. So, oh, mate. That, yeah, I, I, I just feel, into it. Yeah. No, me neither. Um, yeah. But, you know, if people forget my birthday, I don't care. No, I don't care. No, no. I'm not so, fussed at all. Yeah, so I wish other people would just line yeah. up. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Get so, over it. 60th. Happens to everyone. <laughs> well, doesn't yeah. actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. It doesn't. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, we... I, I can't believe how quickly I took that dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I was know. amazing. We're having a nice little chat. and I'm going to say something about mortality. Yeah. Just going to throw that in there. And then, uh, and then I don't know how to recover from that. <laughs> uh, let's, just, let's just completely change the subject and move on. You had quite an interesting relationship with your dad growing up, right? Because you he went to prison mm. and um, and then he passed away when you left. You were a math teacher and you left yes. to pursue comedy. Yeah. And he died around that time, right? Yeah. So that was quite a uh, big... It was very difficult, actually. Not very difficult, but like, basically, when... Like, the early part of my life when I was a kid, we had a very... Like, my dad was doing well and... No, we're very comfortable. Yeah. And then um, he went through difficulties um, um, and basically lost everything in a very short amount of time. So the, the house that we're living in got repossessed, so we had to move. And then we moved to another house that we're renting. Anyway, long story short, my mum, that all happened. And at the same time as that, my mum found out that my dad had been seeing some, another woman and my dad wow. been, was quite promiscuous or yeah. like, uh, when we were growing up. We didn't know, you know, you don't know about that and you don't want to believe it about your dad. But anyway, my mum found this out. So it's a big crisis for her. Obviously, her whole world's been turned upside down. Yeah. She, you know, the family have lost their house. She's found out that her husband's been cheating on her and then my dad went to prison. So it's very quick, you know, this all happened yeah. very, very quickly. And the effect that that had on the relationship with my dad is I really, like, hero-worship my dad. And, and I, you know, my brother and my mum are very similar and my dad and I are very similar in terms of personality traits yeah. and stuff. And I was really close to him. And then, and for a long time, I just refused to believe that he had done what my mum was accusing him of. Yeah. And I remember one day him talking about it to my mum and then I realised I remember the moment that I realised that he had actually been doing all the wow. you know what and it sort of shattered I mean obviously I still love my dad but it shattered my illusion of yeah. you know you know that thing where you think your parents are just infallible do you yeah. know what I mean and so that was sort of 
totally shattered. And then my dad went off to prison and I had to change schools and, th and things like that. And so there's a lot of resentment building up for the fact that, you know, I was seeing my mum cry herself to sleep every night and yeah. as a direct result of what my dad had done. And so you have that kind of burning anger, you know, and, and you're sort of annoyed. But at the same time, when my dad came out of prison, he'd sort of, he was a different guy, you know, he, yeah. he apologised for everything he'd done. He wanted to make right by my mum and he came back and they ended up, you know, becoming very close again. It took a while for my, as you yeah. imagine, it took a while for my mum to kind of trust him again. Um, but he came back and, but I remember, the reason I'm saying all of this is that I remember once after he'd come back, I'd been going off the rails a little bit, like going out and coming back late and not telling them where I was going to be yeah. and, and just being a teenager, I guess. But I'd been, I was being particularly teenage because I sort of didn't give a shit after what, you know, what yeah. we'd been through. And I came back one night and um, my dad said to me, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep just going mm. out. You're being inconsiderate, blah, blah, blah. And I just turned on him. Yeah. And unloaded. About Did you feel that was quite hypocritical of him? Basically, that's yeah. what I accused him of. I yeah. said to him, you know, I, I just basically launched into this, Just I just started ranting it, like, how dare you tell me how to be in this yeah. house? You haven't been here, you know, the way you've done, what you've done to mum, what you've done to us, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, man, he just sat there and like took it. You know, like he just sat there in silence yeah. and took it. And then I stormed out of the house. And we never spoke about it again. Just the next time we spoke we, was just we pretended that never happened yeah. and we put it behind us. And then we became very close. You know, our relationship... My dad was like amazing after that. You know, yeah. we, our relationship got a lot closer. It was like before. He was really, you know, close with my mum again. And, and when he passed away... He was, him and my mum were inseparable and he'd been, you know, I'd seen him be amazing with my, yeah. with my grandkids and so, with his grandkids, with his sorry, grand, with yeah. our kids. And so, I was, you know, it was a really nice relationship by the time he passed away. But I often, after he died, you, you, you know, when somebody passes away, you think about what you've, your interactions with them. Yeah. And I regret, speaking to him in the way that I did. Really? Yeah, I just feel so bad. And like, my mum said to me, he would have known that that was just you. Yeah, but yeah. But you know, it, that was the one thing that I felt, I felt really difficult. But the only thing I can say is that our relationship was so good by the time he passed away that I just hoped that that had been yeah. put behind him. Do you know what I mean? But it, I, you do think, I did, I did think about it, particularly straight after he died. Yeah. How, how has that now impacted you as a dad? Yes, yeah. Well, um... The thing was is that when my dad, when I started doing stand up, my dad was like inc incredibly supportive. Like he used to come to gigs, and he was sort of he combined supportiveness with honesty. So like he would come to loads of gigs and he'd be very encouraging, but he would also say things like you weren't as funny as a guy that was on after you and stuff oh, right. like that. And like, that's a obviously brutal cri critic. yeah, it's hard to hear at the time, but actually it's more useful that than just sort of applauding everything. You know, he would say yeah. you need to do this and do that, or whatever. So he was really he was really supportive. But the other thing about my dad was that he made me feel like that he wouldn't mind whatever I chose to do as long as I wanted to do it, you know. It yeah. felt like he didn't have any set uh, ideas of what he wanted me to do with my life or anything like that, and whatever I decided, he would support 100%. Because, you know, I was a maths teacher before I did stand-up, and he loved the fact that I was a maths teacher. And then when I decided to try and do stand-up, he loved the fact that I was a stand-up. And so I think that's what I, that's what I try to be like with our kids. And my wife is kind of of the same opinion that, you want your kids to be happy, as we all do. We want our children to be happy. And so 
the idea is, is that whatever we want to, we want them to feel like that whatever they choose to do, as long as they sort of apply themselves to whatever that is, a hundred percent, then we don't mind whatever they end up doing. I think it can go one of two ways, can't it? Because I, I think growing up for me with my dad, we didn't have that much, and I know equally like like you and. I, I think in my brain, and, and also my, my brother and my three sisters, we were, I was one of five, we all have this thing now that we wanted to grow up and make sure that we would have things and our children would have things. Yeah. And also appreciate more what you have. Yeah, but I, I think that's a difficult thing to achieve because, you know, um, we, we were comfortable and then everything, you know, everything went tits up and so we had nothing. And then when I started in stand-up, we got broke again, you know, we, we sort of had no money. And then now, I mean, I'd just recently been on holiday and, I, and I, I turned to my wife and I said, like, this is amazing, isn't it, that we're on holiday, like, in, having such a nice... Because we remember what it was like to just be, like, struggling. And, yeah. you know, and the same as you, you sort of think, I don't want my kids to go through what we went through. But at the same time, you also are worried about giving your kids that sense of appreciation mm. because our kids have grown up not knowing what it's like to not have that those struggles because, you know, we've been... I mean, when they were first born, I'll be honest with you, we were absolutely broke, but they don't know that. You know, you, they, they were too it. young, yeah. they don't remember it or whatever. And now, you know, we're more comfortable. And my concern, I talk about it in the, the stand-up show that I'm doing at the moment, that, that they... My concern is... I don't want to spoil them, but at the same time, I don't. It's a combo, it's a, a double-edged sword. You don't want them to want for anything, but at the same time, you do want them to appreciate stuff. And it's an ongoing struggle that mm. we have. My wife's much better at it than I am. I think it might be because I'm away a lot with work. So then, when you do come back, you don't want to be the guy to say no to stuff. Yeah, but you have to. It's good for them. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah so. I have this. I think obviously with this, with this sort of career, and I don't mind admitting it. You know, this I'm 44 years old now, and I've had a good run. Yeah, but time is time is running out. The clock is ticking, and I kind of always think to myself, will I ever earn as much money as I do now? You know, sort of as my life goes on. Yeah, and I don't think there's a day that goes by where I actually think to myself, this this could th th there will be a struggle. There yeah. will be a struggle again because I won't be able to do what I'm doing right now and make yeah. this much money. Is it similar for you? Because I think you throw yourself at everything, don't you, to make sure because you don't know when it's going to end. Yeah, I mean it's partly because I'm a bit of a workaholic in terms of like I enjoy what I do so much. So I never really go into things thinking about money. I sort of go into things thinking about I really want to do this thing. But um, I, I do think there's you know you have that. In what we're doing, what, you know, this industry is very fickle and just because I'm doing TV shows now, it doesn't mean I'll be doing TV shows in, a, in five years or even a year. You mm. know, you just don't know how things work out. And I wouldn't say I'm conscious of that all the time, but I am conscious of not taking things for granted. I mean, I, I think that I'd hope that I'd be able to do stand-up forever, you know, regardless of what happens. You can't control whether your flavour of the month with TV channels and stuff like that, that that's totally outside of your control. And so you, you, it's not really worth worrying about. You just sort of try and do the best you can and see mm. what happens. But um, yeah, you are. I am conscious of that. But I think that, I think if you worry about that, you don't enjoy what's going on at the moment. You know, I, I love my job and I love everything I do. And so if I started, if I spent every minute of every day thinking, oh no, this is going to go away soon it will go away eventually. And then I'll think, oh, shit, why didn't I enjoy it when it yeah. was actually happening, you know? And so I think that's kind of what I'm conscious of is, is the fact that it's I really enjoy what I do and who knows what will happen, yeah. but there is no point in worrying about that, it, you know. Well, something better could happen. That's the exactly, thing, yeah, so. yeah, 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 <clears throat> exactly. So you just have to... Um, 
I guess sort of be in the moment in a bit, you know, mm. sort of enjoy it because otherwise you're in danger of uh, of not appreciating it, which is the whole, you know, which yeah. is which is undermines the whole point of yeah. working hard to get to wherever you are. I've Did just had three. I've had free therapy there. That's that's good. I've <laughs> seen that, and I therapy could, with I Romesh. could not agree more. It's absolutely right. Did you always want to be a comedian? Like from because you did the first gig about nine, right? Yeah, but I didn't. I, I did a gig, yeah, when I was on holiday with my family, like at Pontins. I did like stand up because I was obsessed with comedy. Yeah, stand up comedy felt like uh, the most pure form of it to me, and so that's why I loved it. But I never saw that as I didn't think I'm going to now become a comedian. No. I just didn't think that was a possibility. You don't see that as a as a career option. Yeah. And so even though I grew up like loving comedy. I didn't ever... It just seemed such an unlikely thing to do, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, you know, I, I just thought, well, that's just not a thing. What was that moment, and I've been in this moment, where you've been a teacher, I was a teacher, and you think, nah, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to go for something that's potentially risky, yeah. potentially not going to bring any money in. Yeah. Everything's on my shoulders now to, to keep the roof over our family's yeah. head. What was that moment like for you? Well, it, it was it was less of a push than it was a pull from comedy because I sort of, I enjoyed teaching the whole way that I was doing it and I think that had comedy not come along, I would have just carried on teaching and been happy. Although I, I found teaching incredibly stressful um, because I think it's a very difficult job. Yeah. I think that Teachers are put under lots and lots of stress from like moving goalposts with expectations mm. and workload and stuff like that. And also, there's the pressure of that you're helping kids in their life opportunities, and you know, there's a pressure that you exert on yourself from that. But um, I never sort of was teaching thinking I don't want to ever do this anymore. Okay. What happened was, is like I I started doing comedy as a hobby, yeah. and then it started to pick up, and then. I tell, there was a moment though, it's funny, as I'm talking to you now, there was a moment. There was a moment when I was gigging every night and I was teaching during the day and I started to become, uh, I started to not just not have enough time. I had a young family yeah. and I was doing stand-up and, and I remember one day I was walking up the stairs to a lesson and I was planning the lesson on the stairs on my walk up because I hadn't yeah. had time previously. Like I had the textbook open and I started thinking about what I was going to teach in the lesson. I thought, I can't carry on, like this is... Yeah. It's not ethically. There's an issue. Yeah, here, do you yeah. know what I mean, I wouldn't want. I, I just can't carry on teaching. So I just thought I've, that's when I sort of realised I'm going to have to quit because I'm not doing that job properly. Yeah. And you and teaching is not something. I mean, people do coasters teachers, but it's very. I was say, there's yeah, loads yeah, yeah. of people that yeah, yeah. I know of a few that do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, I d I wouldn't have wanted to be teaching and not have my yeah. heart in it. You know. Yeah, so. absolutely. That's interesting. So you both been teachers. Was there was there any point where you thought actually teaching? I think I'd like kids now, because for me, I would have thought it would have been the other way around, <laughs> where you've taught kids, you know exactly what they can be like, and it, uh, I don't know if I want to have kids. Um, I'll tell you what the big problem was for us, is when we did have kids, is uh, coming up with a name that <laughs> yeah. that you didn't know a kid that had that name that was, <laughs> that a, was a little shit bag. <laughs> <laughs> Can't call that it was... Noah, because I had a nightmare yeah, Noah. Yeah, hey, yeah. I've got a Noah. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I had a nightmare. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a big difficulty. I've I mean, never thought of it like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that was a, the, the issue. I, I, I don't know. I'll tell you what it did do. It taught you... It gave me some ideas about how I'd want to be as a parent. Because when you're a teacher, you have to do parents' evenings and things like that. And I would see parents come in and do things that I felt like weren't doing the best by their kids, you know. Um, for example, I've, I've long been of the belief that, you know, 
you let your kids... Parents seem to equate high academic achievement with happiness for their children, and I just don't think that's the... I don't feel personally that's the case. And I realise that you want your children to, to do very well or do as well as they can, but for me, that's not results-oriented. That's application. I just mm. think I want my kids to try really hard, but I don't care what level of attainment they get because we will work out what they're going to do based on where they're at. And, you know, and, and I used to get... I remember, like, one parent came in... because I taught maths, and, and a parent came in, and I was teaching set two maths. And she sat down and she said, I want you to move my daughter up to set one. <laughs> and I said, well, I can't do that because she's not, she's not at that level to move up to set one. And I, and I explained to her that if she moves up to set one, she'll feel out of her depth, she'll stop enjoying the subject, and you'll, have, you'll, you'll lead to her hating maths forever. You could potentially lead to her hating maths forever, as we know so many people do because mm. they had bad experiences at school. And she said, no, I want her to move to top set. You know, maths is important. And you, I'm not going to leave this table until you move up to set one. And um, and I had to deal with that. But I remember thinking to myself, that is, I think that's a, a big... To me, that felt like a big mistake. I think your kids do what they do. And if your kid's slacking, then I think that's one thing. Yeah. If you think they're not applying themselves, I think that's one thing. But making them anxious about their level of attainment, I just don't feel is a healthy thing to do, you know. And, uh, you know, our eldest is, is 10... And he's about to do like key stage two exams or whatever, or tests and stuff. And, um, or he's about to do SAT, sorry. And I, and I say to him, he gets, he'll come home and he'll be anxious, like he's working. Like he'll just be like, I, I, I'm, I'm nervous about how I'm going to do this test. I said to him, you've got to just. Yeah, forget about it, it. Forget about it and just do what you do. Do you know what I mean? And it just doesn't, not that it doesn't matter, but I said to him, like, you shouldn't be, you should just do whatever you can and whatever level you're at is the level you're at. Do you know what I mean? Don't yeah. worry about yeah. it. But, I find that those are the kind of things that you pick up. But in terms of like whether I... I mean, I've been giving you a really waffly answer to your no, question. No, no, no. But, but um, I think teaching made me like kids more, actually. To be right. I, I think that, you know, I had really difficult kids, but then you'd look into their backgrounds and you'd sort of think, well... Makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, I can't get angry with this kid for being like this because you're having it really hard at home. And yeah. I, do you know what I mean? I just... I'm great. I'm glad, just glad that you're at school, you know? So I, I, I think that... I think that it, if you like kids, it makes teaching a lot easier. I know I knew teachers that didn't like children or didn't have a love for children, yeah. and they would free, they would in, invariably be the ones that had the most trouble with discipline and behaviour because if kids don't believe you like them, they will give you hell. Yeah. Whereas if they do believe you like them, they will let you, you know, yeah. tell them off. They will let you give them detentions. They will let you punish them whatever way because they believe and know that you've got their best interests at heart. Yeah. I think it's quite sad at the minute, especially now, no, because Noah's my, my eldest has just started primary school. Mm. And I think the stress I, I hear more of stress, anxiety with, with, with kids now, especially via my friends. And I think, well, my, my wife is training to be a hypnotherapist, and at the moment, the person that's teaching her, 60% of her clients are children under the age of 16 mm. and with anxiety and stuff right. like that. And I, what freaked me out is that Noah's primary school, he has to do buttons. I mean, he's four years old. Yeah, yeah. What? How the hell does a kid do buttons and he has to wear a tie? I've seen other schools that have polo shirts and that's it. I'm just like, it's starting early, four years old. Yes, yeah, he's, he's expected to do Jen, shirt buttons Jen and a tie. Was an early years specialist and she used to have children coming into reception year one who also had a tutor. <laughs> <laughs> to get the because in where we live there's eleven plus. Yeah. yeah. And um and that that was their goal, it was an eleven plus tutor from reception. 
It's, I, I, yeah. I mean, and then I, you know one of their anxious. I know. And, and like, I mean, the other big thing that I have a, I, I have a, a problem with is, is our kids getting homework from such a young age. And oh, like, yeah. I, um, you know, our kids, they come home and they're experiencing stress about doing homework. And I just don't believe in it. I, I, I just think that they're knackered when they come home from school. And this is my personal belief. I'm not, mm. you know, they come home knackered from school. And I, in my mind, I want them to have a bit of chill out time and engage with yeah. the family and like, let's have a meal together and let's talk and stuff. And then worrying about, so I think that's kind of what I'm conscious of is, is the fact that it's, I really enjoy what I do and who knows what will happen, yeah. but there is no point in worrying about that. It, you know, well, something better could happen. That's the exactly. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, <clears throat> exactly. So you just have to, um, I guess sort of be in the moment in a bit, you know, mm. sort of enjoy it because otherwise, you're in danger of uh, of not appreciating it, which is the whole, you know, which yeah. is which is undermines the whole point of yeah. working hard to get to wherever you are. I've just had three. I've had free therapy there. That's that's good. I've <laughs> seen that. And I therapy could, with I Ramesh. I could not agree more. It's absolutely right. <laughs> On the podcast, we do a feature which is called Kids of Dicks, and this is where we can just rant a little bit and you know just de-stress and breathe. Do you have any examples of your kids being dicks? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Try and narrow it down to just one for the benefit of time. Um, well, okay. I made a, a parenting error recently, and I sort of. Our, one of our kids um, is a very fussy eater. And. Um, we both nodded there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I am convinced that he has just started to play that as a character now. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, it's not dependent on uh, the meals. It's just like, he just feels like saying, I don't like, I can't eat that. Yeah. So we're on holiday and um, he got this beautiful piece of fish, right? He, he asked for it, right? This is the other thing that, this is the other thing, right? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what really pisses me off, right? It's like, my, we try and, you try and give kids food that they want. What infuriates me, what I find... Are you allowed to swear on this? Yeah, yeah sure. It's it. fucking unacceptable <laughs> from our children is that they will change their mind about what they want between asking for it <laughs> and arriving at the table. I think, what the fuck do you think could have happened? How, how can you possibly expect this to be what you wanted? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, I've honestly, I swear to you, our son has gone, I want fish fingers and chips. And they've arrived, and he's gone, I don't want that. And I go, what the fuck do you think? What are you talking about? <laughs> you asked, what yeah. are you talking you said about? Many times Two minutes before. ago yeah. that you wanted them. Yeah, I just don't... Sorry, what, what's happened at the table while you're waiting for this? Tell me, tell me what, what life is... Anyway, this is not the point of what I was trying to say. The point, I fucked up, basically, because I... He got this beautiful piece of fish that he'd asked for, and my wife had said to him this fish is going to arrive and it's going to look like fish. It's not like fish sticks or fish fingers or <laughs> fish nuggets. Fish. It's going to look like fish. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, yeah, I want, that's what I want. I want fish. Anyway, it <laughs> arrives and he suddenly developed a phobia of fish. Right? Of ice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I go to him, mate, you've you got to eat that. I said, you've got to eat that. And he said, I'm not eating it. And I'm in a restaurant on holiday and he's just like not going to touch it. And it's so expensive as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. So I go to him, you got to, you got to, mate. You've got to eat it. And he goes, I don't, I can't, I don't like it. I said, you do like it. I said, you've just decided you're not going to eat it. Anyway, I'm such an idiot. I said to him, 
Right, okay, this is how much I know you're, you're not going to, you don't, you, you, you're just making it up. If you eat it, I'll buy you some virtual reality goggles. Right. <laughs> I don't know why that... <laughs> so that is, you pulled it totally out of the bag. You can't go any further. Yeah. You he smashed through that fish <laughs> and finished it by the time I'd finished my sentence. I mean, he ate it so quickly. He was waiting for this Mate, moment. He my knew. wife looked at me just like, you, are you... <laughs> What kind of moron <laughs> are you? Quit those just stop talking. She goes, what, sorry. She goes to me. First of all, she goes to me. First of all, you're going to have to get him for him because otherwise, what precedent you said? Second of all, what lesson <laughs> have you taught him? <laughs> Basically, what you've taught him is whenever food arrives, refuse, and Daddy will get a present <laughs> for finishing it. I, I was like, I, I just, did, I did because oh. when I said it, I was so smug. Do you know what I yeah, feel like? Yeah, he wouldn't do it. Yeah, d- yeah, yeah. I was like, watch this, Lisa. I'm about to, <laughs> I'm about to show you how I throw down, and how I throw down <laughs> is expensive mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. so bad. Okay. Ramesh, thank you so much for no, coming in and chatting to us. Me, man. Um, it's been wonderful. What a what an amazing interview. He's. What? He's just a great guy. I didn't think I could love him even more, but when I found out that he is a big fan of Public Enemy, <laughs> yeah. which was one of my albums growing up, it's kind of where I, it's it's when I discovered like cool music. Yeah. Not so much Sunita and the Pet Shop Boys. But when we were talking about that and we were talking about the Beastie Boys license to Ill Randy MC Raising Hell, I literally had a nostalgic trip back to my childhood. Yeah. And I love him even more for it because he's a huge fan of hip-hop. He is. And that's what he's... So, yeah, he is, he's a huge fan of hip-hop. And uh, he's got a great podcast, Hip-Hop Saved My Life. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. I mean, you probably have, to be honest. I have. It's, <laughs> but it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, they've got some great guests, Louis Theroux coming up and Kano. So he gets some amazing guests on there as well. Mm. Not as amazing as us having him. And he's got a tour as well coming up. Well, he's on tour now. He's a week into his tour, a couple of weeks into his tour... Um, but it goes on to April, so it's definitely worth um, Googling it, check out where, when, he, when he's coming to a town near you. Because he's extremely... I'm going to go. Brilliant. Uh, thank you for listening today. Uh, don't forget, rate us, subscribe to this podcast on Global Play. If you haven't downloaded that yet, do it. Or wherever you get your podcasts from, and tell dads that you know to listen to Don't Tell Your Mum. And of course, you can tell mums, because we know more and more mums are now listening. We know you're listening. <laughs> we've got the figures, we've got the statistics, the digital analysis to prove it. We know you're listening. And we will absolutely, we, we, we've actually, we know that some mums are listening because we're getting messages, but we'll do that in another episode. Anyway, thank you for listening. Until the next one. Goodbye. <laughs> I was going to read it out now. No, tease it, Al, tease uh, it. All right, you have to wait until next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>